Okay, turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 51. This will be the last of a three-part series on the heart. And um, follow with me in your bulletins, if you can, uh, the message. And if you ever have any questions, uh, we could uh, have, after service, a little wrap session, a little time around fellowship have 10 minutes of fellowship and then have a time of questions and answers and just fellowship around in a, in a corporate way with a microphone. And we've been talking about the heart. We've been dealing with some, some um, issues of the heart. And today I'd like to talk about having our heart healed, having a healed heart. Now, you know, the holidays are tough times for people. They struggle with depression because many people have um, broken families, they have um, uh, relationships that have been uh, terminated, or they don't have contact with um, uh, very important people in their lives. And this is a tough time for people, especially with the, um, uh, the exaggerated, drummed-up sense of excitement, joy, and merriness. And every time a person that is struggling in their life with depression sees the word merry, uh, it just impacts them with the fact that they are not merry and they're not joyful. And, and so I want to just say just a few words about how God heals our heart. We said uh, either the first or the second message of this series that the heart has, uh, is, is fallen. And it's depraved. And there's two verses that tell us that. Uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, 10, and 11, it tells us that our heart is deceived and it is, it is fallen. It's actually wicked. And the second verse that tells us this is really um, a, a good verse that we can look at here together in Psalm 51. And that is in verse 5. And I just want to read these verses to you. And I'm using the King James. You know, I, I just wanted to mention just briefly here that, um, you know, we've tried, we've discussed different versions of the Bible. And I think we're going to really stick with the King James. Uh, and I know that um, uh, some churches really are on that search for what is the right version. But just looking at the King James and its history of how it was translated I think as a church, Greater Grace Community Church, our translation of the Bible is going to be King James. And if you can't understand that version, I'd like to encourage you to maybe look at uh, maybe the New King James Version, which is, um, it is uh, a good alternative, although it's not the best, I think. Uh, so, uh, because sometimes our translations, when I'm reading the scripture up here, and sometimes if you have a translation that's not optimal, then... It can be a little confusing for you. So um, if you have any questions about that, I can talk with you. Psalm 51, verse 5, it says this. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. What does that verse tell us? That we were born in sin, doesn't it? Any mothers here that would disagree with that? Their kids were born perfect? I think everybody, every mother would like to say that my son is perfect. I, I uh, saw recently a situation on uh, TV where... A son got arrested, and his mother, and he, it was a very, it was a, it was a crime, it was a bad crime, and she my son would never do that, 
<laughs> I think mothers have a better perspective of the finished work and unconditional love than any person on the planet, don't they? <laughs> it's amazing. You know, a mom or a dad just loving their son or daughter. I was shapen in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Number uh, Verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. That's a loaded verse. David here is repenting in Psalm 51, but he's saying here also that God wants truth on the inward parts, on the heart, and he wants us to know wisdom in the hidden parts of our heart. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop. Hyssop speaks of God's purging process, how God purges things from our life. I want to ask everyone to really concentrate and not get distracted. Um, and if, if, you, if you really can help it, um, not to walk around during the service because it does distract other people. And uh, we want just really to, just for the few minutes that we have together to really focus on, on the word Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me, in verse 8, to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Does God break bones? God does break things in our life. And why does he do that? Because, well, how many of you have ever had a broken bone, and you've had to go to the doctor, and they had to re-break it and reset it? That's what God has to do sometimes in our life that are that there are things in our life that are crooked and they're not growing straight and we're not experiencing our full potential as a believer. Uh, there are children that are born with club feet and just um, bone problems and sometimes the doctors have to take pretty radical action to uh, break those and reset that. It sounds pretty traumatic, but in the end, the, the, the result is, is that that child is able to form into everything that he was made to be. Verse 9, hide thy face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. And is that a prayer that God will answer? Yes. Why does God hide? Because he hides our, he hides our, he hides his face from our sins. But because why? Jesus paid for those sins. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but our sins are paid for. And when God looks at us, he's not looking at everything that's wrong in a person's life. God is looking at who we are in Jesus Christ as a new creation. And this is very important because it's going to get to, it's going to help us understand the point we're going to make this morning. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is important. Create in me a clean heart, O God. So the second verse that tells us that we are born defective is really verse 5. I was shapen in iniquity. That the heart is fallen. And that the heart, although it is very affectionate, passionate, and uh, has a lot of power in the mind and in our emotions and our will and our conscience and our self-image, our heart needs to function, as Pastor Tony was saying, with the heart of God. God gives us a new heart, a heart that's not a stony, hard heart that is stubborn and broken. And so what can happen is that as a person is conceived in the womb and they are born, they grow up, we become damaged in our heart, don't we? Every person on this planet, doesn't matter who we are, there is some form of damage in their heart because of life. Now, these damaged, this damage happens because we live in a world that is anti-God and anti-people, by the way. 
We live in a country that's just known for its customer service. You go anywhere in the world, and you're never going to get customer <coughs> service like you do in the United States. That's what I think, just my personal opinion. But it doesn't mean that, that really the, that, that you are loved as an individual, because sooner or later we discover that the system, the society, and every aspect of our system is not based on the unconditional love of God. And so that damages people. People are betrayed, people are abused, people are hurt, they are victimized, uh, and that damages them. Sin also damages people. Sin is something that every time we live in it, or whenever that happens to us, or we are victimized by someone else's sin, that damages a person, that damages us. And so God wants to heal us. God wants to bring in healing into our life. God wants to make us whole. In Psalm 86, verse 11, the, um, David prayed, God, give me a whole heart, a heart that's not broken. Now, now every one of us here this morning is going to get, I just trust is going to get something from this message because brokenness or brokenheartedness is not the status of way, the way God wants you and I to live. Now, there are many things on the inside of our heart that are just not on display, people don't know about. It's like, it's like the illustration of a beautiful lake. How many of you have ever gone out into the woods to see a beautiful still lake? And it's just, you just, they're up here at Peace Valley. I discovered this, I told you about it. I drove up there and it's just beautiful up there. Peace, not Peace Lake, it's Peace Valley, right? Yes, Peace Valley, it's a beautiful lake there. And if you stand and look at it, it's very peaceful and very, uh, very beautiful. I remember that my wife and I lived in Baltimore next to a small lake, and they had to actually um, they had to actually lower the um, level of the lake, and they had to spend about a year drudging the bottom of the lake. And the stuff that they pulled up was unbelievable. You wouldn't even believe the stuff that they pulled up: tires, car tires, rusty pipes, um, bottles people's trash, um, you know, lawn chairs, just tons of just gross stuff that you couldn't even imagine that would be there. These are things that, when I saw even a sunken uh, a boat, a small little boat that was there. But you would never notice that those things were on the bottom of the lake. And, you know, when you look at the lake, you don't really see that. And that's the way we are. I mean, people look at you and I, and they don't see the stuff that sometimes is lying on the bottom of the lake that's poisoning the lake. Now, they had to do that with the lake that we were living next to because it was part of the water supply in some way, affected the water supply. And this is really the way it can be with you and I, is that on the outside, as Christians, we could look like we're really in great shape. But there's stuff on the bottom that is just damaged, rusty garbage that has just collected over the years and that has happened because of just accidents or tragedies. And it actually is poisoning the lake. You ever see these beautiful lakes and there's a sign there, do not swim here? You ever wonder why I can't swim there? It's because there's stuff in there that's poisonous. And so God looks at the heart. And you know, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, God is looking at the heart. Man is missing that. Um, sometimes we, go to, we can go to a church and, or we go to meet up with a group of people, and we are really expecting something from them, that they're going to understand us, that they're going to know what our need is, and they're going to understand what I need in my life. And we kind of look to them 
as if that they're going to meet that need. But many times it happens that they look at you and they don't see, they, they don't have discernment and they're not seeing what God is seeing. And that's why when we are damaged, we have to understand that no one is going to be able to give us what we really truly need except for God. For, you know, for me to come to uh, a church or a person or, you know, an individual or into a marriage or into a relationship looking for something that I need as a man or a woman that only God can supply, that's going to put an amazing amount of pressure on that relationship. And it's going to actually shut it down because nobody, nobody, how, what's that old song, Nobody Knows Me Like Jesus Does? Is that an old song? When do you know that song? Nobody knows me like he does, or I don't remember the words, but nobody knows you like Jesus, Jesus does. Jesus sees through the lake, through the pristine look, and he sees what's happening on the inside. And, there, and he doesn't condemn us. He's not judging us for that. He sees the damage, and he sees the destruction, and he wants through the Holy Spirit to make a change. How do people get, how do people get damaged? Well, there's three ways that people can get damaged, and it's really not a, a major revelation here. But number one, people can get damaged by being abused as children. And we know that today, child abuse is, is, on, a, is on a huge rise today. And we really want to be praying for our kids and really watching out for our kids and really being there to champion our kids and help them grow in, in, in the Lord because God loves kids. And today, you know, kids, and maybe not even today, but decades ago, or, you know, these things happen. Children in some way get abused. Number two, betrayal in relationships. People experience levels of betrayal in, in intimate relationships, whether they are friends, whether they are family, or they are married, married people. Uh, this damages people. This is damaging. It damages the heart. And number three, uh, damage happens by sin, an old sin nature that we have. When we sin, we are sinning against our own soul. We're sinning against ourselves when we sin. Uh, we're sinning against God, but we're destroying ourselves. Sin is never anything that is helpful for us. And that's why if we live in needs and we go to the world's um, program for entertainment and fulfillment in the life of sin, then we are always going to be wind, we're always going to wind up empty and more injured and more destroyed. So people become damaged. They become damaged goods. Have you ever gotten a package in the mail and you open the package and everything in there is broken? My wife and I got a, a really nice candle um, piece. It was really beautiful. It was a big kind of a porcelain thing with a nice candle inside of it. And the an expensive thing. Someone had mailed it to us, but the corner was broken off. And we looked at it, and it's just not the same, is it? it? It's damaged. It's damaged goods. But God wants to heal these damaged goods. I did an interesting study, and maybe you guys have also read about this, but, you know, there is what they call prenatal injury. You ever hear of that? How many have ever heard of prenatal injury? Okay. Uh, it's a study that's been done that uh, that can that endeavors to prove that when a child is in the mother's womb, that it's very susceptible to its environment. And if the mother fears uh, fear, uh, experiences fear, or if the mother feels in some way that she's rejected because she's pregnant, or 
if the mother feels that her, her environment is not secure or if the mother feels, if the mother herself is disappointed that she's pregnant, then that affects the chemicals in the body of the mother and it affects the fetus, it affects the baby. And so there's a study that's been done and, and uh, there's some parts of it that I agree with and some parts that are, that maybe I don't agree with so much, but these chemicals in the environment of a baby inside the womb can actually affect and impact the baby. And this is where we see the amazing promise of God about God's work in our lives before we were born. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 14, 15, and 16. He said that when I was in my mother's womb, God called me. Isn't that beautiful? That before you were born, you had a calling on your life. That you were already set apart and you were already uh, called by God. Before you and I ever had a history of sin in the flesh, before we were ever abused or ever before we were ever messed up or damaged by this world and by insensitive people or by people, we had a calling on our life and we were in the hand of God. This is really our security and this is where our history with God goes. David also said this in Psalm 139. He said, when I was in my mother's womb, you knew every part of me. We see that the presence and the Spirit of God is in the womb with the child, and it is there. And you know, when you and I get saved and we made that decision for Jesus Christ, which is a definite decision that we need to make in our life, it's our starting point with God when we say yes to Jesus Christ and we believe on Him by faith as our Lord and Savior. He comes into our life and fills us with His Holy Spirit. At that moment, we understand that the call of God and the will of God in our life began way, beyond, way before that moment. But it was something that began while I was still in my mother's womb, actually even before that. And so take, take comfort in this, that before you ever had a history in the flesh or a history with the law or history in any way, we, all, we have a history with God. And that is a calling from God. How do, we, how do we get healed? And this is what I want to just mention here. There are three things, there are three steps of healing in our life. And Pastor Tony mentioned one of them in the introduction this morning. How do we get healed from a broken heart? How do we get... Here's the thing, is that all substance abuse, all addictive behavior, all crime, every... Every reaction or lashing out or poison inside of us is caused by one thing, and that is the damage that's done in our heart because of these three things I mentioned. Everyone in this room could say, you know, yeah, that number one, number two, number three, those, that's, that's what damaged me. And the thing is, is that God has a plan to heal us from that. God doesn't call us into a body of Christ and not equip us and not heal us. Healing is a very big part of Jesus' ministry. Remember when we read the Gospels, how Jesus healed? And maybe we could sometime do a series on just in the life of Jesus in, in the Gospels. This would be amazing to read about the miracles and how Jesus touched people and how Jesus had compassion on people, how Jesus saw the thoughts of people and how Jesus was sent really to heal. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that the word was sent to heal. The word was sent to heal. Healing always begins with the word. It always begins with that. It begins with Jesus speaking the word. And this number one, 
Romans chapter 5, verse 5. This is step number one. This is Romans 5, verse 5, that the love of Christ would be shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, a living, active, loving Spirit that intercedes for you, that fills us when we ask Him to fill us, that Spirit wants to reveal the love of Christ to you. What's the difference between the love of Christ and the love of God? Well, the love of Christ really, in the, it's not different, but it really focuses on, it, on people. Jesus loved people. And when we understand the love of Christ, we understand that we are no longer what we were before. The love of Christ is expressed to us through the Gospels when we see Jesus touching the leper, when Jesus healed the man that had a withered hand. You know, when we ever, whenever we want to see the love of Christ, just read the life of Jesus. By the way, don't get so advanced in your Christianity, in your worship, or in your intellectual whatever we do, that we leave the focus on a Christ-centric life or Jesus-centered life. We want to be focused and always keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and on his ministry because he came to fulfill the Father's will. The love of Christ to be, by, to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's that flashlight, that big, that big floodlight that comes into our soul and lights up our soul. You know, we were, um, I was reading on the internet the other day about a meteor that had just come out of nowhere and uh, over Siberia and just exploded over a small town there. I don't know if you heard about that, but it was just this massive event, and it's on YouTube, and you can see it, and it's at night, you know, and, and people in Russia and in Europe these days have cameras in their car for insurance purposes. They have accidents or whatever, and many of these car cameras caught this event where there was a dark, dark night, and you could see the car, you know, driving, and, and suddenly there's a streak across the sky, and the whole sky lights up like noonday. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. You can, it's like the sun is shining <clears throat> for just a few split seconds. And it's like what the Holy Spirit does in the human heart. He, begin, he comes in and he sheds abroad the love of Christ. And that's the first step that we need to get. We need to get a revelation through the Holy Spirit of the love of God, the love of Christ. And that's something that is just very, very important that we have that, the love of Christ that came, he did not come to condemn, Jesus said in John 8, but he came to send, He came to set sinners free and to heal. You know, every one of us struggle with, we can, we can struggle with addictive behavior or habits, but what a person feels doesn't determine who he is. Let me say that again. The way you feel today does not determine who you are. I might be having feeling bad, or I may be feeling subdued, or I may be feeling aggressive, or I may be feeling depressed, but it has no bearing on the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ. It's very important that we remember that. If you don't feel good about yourself, that's just the world and your, and your own fallen heart. The truth is that God has made us kings and priests, new creations, brand new heart with a new life in Jesus Christ. This is the truth. It's not the way I feel. And, the, and next time you start feeling bad, just begin to speak to yourself truth in Psalm 15. Speak to your heart. Oops. Speak to your heart truth. And let God speak to you and let God build up your heart and build up who you are in Christ. 
You know, sometimes we hear people say, well, alcohol and homosexuality and all of these things, these are our diseases. But I disagree with that. Alcohol is not a disease. Because if it was a disease, then, it, then medicine could treat it. See, the world wants to say that alcohol is a disease because then at that point, the whole um, huge mega corporations, medical mega corporations can begin to throw money at, and, and drugs at people that in, uh, it can be in a lot of ways detrimental for their health. Alcohol is not a disease. Alcohol is a spiritual problem. Addictions are a spiritual problem. And it's a problem that can only be addressed by Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And that's why, that's why when we um, are coming out of those things, <clears throat> we may be helped by certain programs. But if I'm in a program that is making me say for 15 years, hello, my name is, I'm an alcoholic, that's not finished work. That's not the way God sees you. Maybe we've struggled with addictions in the past with things, drugs or whatever it may be from A to Z. But for me to get up and say, you know, 15 years later, my name is and I am A, that, that is just saying to Jesus Christ, uh, what you did on the cross was not enough. Well, does it, it doesn't mean that we do not confess our sin. We do, of course, we say we confess our sin. We, we should actually say what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. He said, I am what I am by the, what, grace, grace of, God. of God. Who are you today? Well, I'm a sinner, yeah, but that doesn't stop there. I'm growing in grace. I'm growing in grace. My heart's being filled with the love of God. My heart's being transformed by, by the word of God. And so, the, the, why is this important? Because the flesh is looking for programs. The flesh is always trying, the old sin nature, that old part of us that, uh, wants to live the Christian life without God because of pride and because of self-sufficiency. The flesh is always looking for a way to replace God in our life. Flesh says, give me a program. Give me, give me 125 steps. The longer, the better. You know, some religions really capitalize on this. We sin and we go to, we go to whoever and they tell us, you've got to do this 750 times. We're like, yes, I got, this is going to take me some time. I'm like really excited about doing this. I'm not, I'm not like knocking that. I'm not, not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that Jesus did not give me a program of something that I can do to feel better about myself. Because there's nothing I can do to feel better about myself. There's nothing I can change in my life. There's nothing that you can change in your life. How many of you have ever tried to change yourself? And we can change behavior. <clears throat> what about the black heart that's there? Proverbs 20, verse 9 says this. I want to read this to you. It's just a great verse. Uh, it's a good question. It says this. Who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. That's a good verse, isn't it? Who can say, I've made my heart clean? Well, we can say, I've modified my life. I've stopped this habit. I've stopped that habit. I've stopped this addition, which is great. And when we say, you know, okay, I'm working on myself. I'm working. That's also, you know, that's great. You, it's awesome. But... Let's look at this. Let's look at this verse. Because in the end, if it's me trying to purify my own heart, it, it's just not going to work out. It's got to be the word of God. That's, it's got to be the love of God that should have brought in my heart, number one. And number two, the second step, if you're following this, is Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is step two, if you're following in that, that, that little outline. Every, 
every born again Christian has every born again Christian has the spirit of Abba the Father that's sent into our hearts. It's a beautiful verse, Galatians four, verse six. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, this is this is another. You know, it's amazing because we see the Holy Spirit acting, 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 acting. How many of you found God by yourself? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I actually was not looking for God. I kind of knew I was looking for God, but God kind of found me. How many of you can say God just surprised you and found you? It's how God did it, right? This is Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this, And because you were sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So He sends first His love through the Holy Spirit, and then He injects us into our heart with the Holy Spirit. You know, there are these operations that can go into a person's heart and open the valves by not even even making any cuts. It's all done by just wires and things like that. Holy Spirit doesn't even need wires. He comes into the human heart and he opens all the valves and there's godly good circulation there where we're not dying of because of malnutrition. The spirit of the Holy the spirit of the of Abba the Father has been sent into our hearts. And this is the second step in our in our life of just experiencing a healed heart. Number one, having the love of God shed abroad in our heart, Romans 5, 5. Number two, we have the Holy Spirit fill us every morning. You know, I'm not talking about intellectual stimulation or religious stimulation, or, but just getting filled with God by the Holy Spirit. And that may take a couple minutes. You know, in the morning, in the morning, I, I uh, actually, you know, I get out of bed and try to get up early and kind of keep my dog locked in my bedroom so because when she comes down the stairs she you know wants all attention and needs to go out and everything it's just so distracting and but I want to get downstairs and I just want to get filled with the spirit I want to get I want God to fill me and this is the Ephesians 5 verse 18 is that when we ask for God to fill us we are we are surrendering ourselves to God as a vessel we say God I'm your vessel today fill me with your holy spirit fill me with your wisdom Fill me with your love, your joy, your peace, your long-suffering, all the fruits of the Spirit. And when we do that, we're on the road to healing. We're on the road to healing. And then number three uh, is, is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. This is the third step of how God heals us. And this is, and let's read this verse together. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says this. It says that, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now, what does that mean? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. What sprinkling is this? Well, it's the blood. The high priest had to take the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it on objects on, and on the people and, and on, uh, on items that were to be sanctified and to be set apart for the Lord's use, for forgiveness. Our conscience, and I think we can all identify with this, our conscience sometimes really gets on our case, doesn't it? No? <laughs> How many of you sometimes think you're not a great parent or a good husband or a good wife or a good worker or whatever? Or I'm not doing a good job in the church with what I've been, with I, what I, with what I've been tasked to do. And our conscience maybe gets on it. Maybe we've actually made mistakes and it kind of tries to come back and bite us uh, through condemnation. The blood of Christ has purged us 
and has cleansed us in 1 John 1, 9 from all unrighteousness. And I want to finish with this, is that the, the sin question is not an unresolved question in the life of the believer. It's resolved. Things that people struggle with is resolved in the kingdom of God. It's resolved. The Bible tells us that it's resolved. And I can get up in the morning and think, it's resolved with God. It's forgiven. And it's not something that I have to try to deal with or try to uh, allow it to motivate me to do things uh, good for God. Because my conscience is being sprinkled with the blood of Christ. Because I like that. It's a beautiful thing. It says in the same chapter that we are no longer living. We are worshipers that are no longer living in the consciousness of sin. Imagine worshiping God with no consciousness of sin because he's paid for it. And this is healing. And I want to finish with that. Healing. You know, healing is this can only happen in these three steps. You know, when we go through these three steps, there's not 720 steps to this healing like in some programs. It's healing. And healing is when we go through this process, and we need to probably go through it maybe a few times a day, we wind up in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. We wind up there. And Hebrews 13, 9 says that it's good that our heart be established with grace. Your heart gets established in grace. It's not established in trouble. It's not established in fear or depression or anger, anger or anxiety, which many of us can struggle from. But it's established in grace, you know? It's okay if, if it doesn't all work out the way I wanted it to work out. Because my heart is established in the grace of God. And some of us perfectionists, like we, this is the biggest problem. And perfectionism, by the way, is just another form of pride, trying to be perfect without God. But perfectionism is just something that we struggle with because we are not accepting, we are not looking at ourselves through the eyes of God's unconditional love. And that can create many different kinds of disorders. And I don't want to be too psychological today, but I just want to say that God wants to heal us. And, you know, all of us here in this, in this chapel today and many people that are not here uh, need to be healed on a daily basis. And we know people that need to be healed, don't we? We see marriages and families that are in trouble. And, you know, our message to them is, look, get to know God. Hear the word. Get around people that are going to encourage you and build you up and tell you the truth. And sometimes it may hurt, but it's like it's going to be for our good. When the doctor says we got cancer and I, and I say, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to get cut open because it's going to hurt. Well, it's either that or I'm going to die of cancer. Okay, well, cut me open. I'm going to suffer a little bit, but I'm going to survive. You know, that's what we need. And this is what we want to be sharing with people, that we want to be saying to people. And I know, I, just, I know some of you are in places where you're really being used by God to communicate to people in your circles the love of God and this truth of the gospel. And maybe they're not here today, but you are in their life as Jesus Christ, an ambassador. And I just want to say that healing is something that happens really from the hands of God. And I have a little video here I want to play if we have a, if we have a minute. Uh, it's just a couple minutes, and I have it right here on my, on my phone. Um, it's a four-minute video. So give me a moment, I'll set it up.
then we'll close in prayer.